You're listening to another episode of the Clon Bike Cast, your one-stop shop for all things Clonacilty Bicycle Festival and beyond. I'm Alison Roberts, and today I had the pleasure of interviewing my co-host and producer of this show, Justin Browns. I found out a little bit more about what makes Justin tick, where his bicycle love originated, and what he's thinking about for the future. Be sure to visit clonacultybicyclefestival.org to find out all the events we have lined up for this year's National Bike Week, taking place from the 19th to the 27th of September. We have workshops, online events, and more. Now, on with the interview. Justin Grounds, what an honour. Thank you. We are um, in the deep, dark woods of Canada, isolating, so I figured I would use this opportunity to interview my co-host of the Clon Bikecast, um, behind-the-scenes producer, um, Justin Grounds. And I just wanted to start off, like we start off with all our guests, just wondering um, about your earliest memories of cycling. Yeah, I was thinking about that. And um, my earliest memory of cycling is my dad's had this old steel frame bike and it had one of these really, really kind of ghetto kid seats that was just a really tiny seat with a sort of wire back and it slotted with two wires in onto the onto the post, the 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 frame in front of where he sat and he used to slot that in and then I would sit up on it. I don't even think it had foot things. I used to just dangle my feet. My dad would be riding and he would ride me round to the swimming pool. So I just kind of remember always being on this seat on the bike. How old do you reckon you were then? Probably like three or four. And then what what, what about your first bike? Do you remember our first bike? I don't remember the first bike because I had an older brother. I always inherited his bike. Like I always had the hand-me-down bike. But I do remember, um, because I lived, I was lucky enough to grow up in Cambridge, which is a very bikey city um, in the UK. Uh, It was very flat, so there was always going on bikes. And then when I was a teenager, when I was in secondary school, it was like mountain biking. It was like 1992, so mountain biking was the big fashion. And I got the hand-me-down of my brother's rally Mustang. And I sort of envisaged myself and my mates, we all thought we were going to be mountain bikers. And I remember one time, we all, four of us, I think, biked off like six miles away to the nearest woods where we could practice mountain biking. And we were all at the top of this... Uh, we were about 11 at the time, right? We are at the top of this... Um, hill that went down into this sort of ravine with all these trees and one of the guys Steve uh he was like I'll go first and we just watched him plummet down the hill faster and faster and his brakes must have just not been up to the task and he just went bang into this huge tree came collapsed off the bike Uh, it was like the first maneuver any of us had done and he was just like on the floor and we all biked down to him and his his forefinger of his left hand was like purple and the size of a sausage and and uh, he was he was pretty white as a ghost no and so we had, yeah we well we one of us biked down to the nearest telephone box and rung his dad with like 20p and his dad came like rushing in the car and picked him up and took put the bike in the back and the next thing we didn't see him for a few days and then we saw him at school and he had like three broken bones in the finger he showed us the x-ray it was like completely mangled and like 
Yeah, so that was a memory of biking. Early, um... Early memory. But I was always tinkering with the mountain bike, taking it apart and fixing it as best I could. Uh, and I always dreamed of, like, getting... I would re- I'd buy mountain bike magazines and I'd dream of getting, like, a really decent frame. And I did a project in school about mountain biking. Uh, and I interviewed the PE teacher who had this really cool orange clockwork mountain bike. And did you ever get to do any mountain biking? Yeah, I did, because I was in the Scouts. And we went mountain biking, but I just remember it being like way more knackering than I ever <laughs> thought. And I was just like totally exhausted more than like zooming around doing jumps and stuff. I was just being like, oh my God, I've got to go up this massive hill. <laughs> so it wasn't as fun as I kind of, I think it was more the image of it that was, you know. You needed one of the toe lifts to get you up to the top of the hill and let you down. But I liked the idea of building a bike and taking bikes apart and getting, I remember buying like bar ends and different different grips and stuff and doing up my bike as best I could. And did you keep cycling then into your kind of older teens? A lot of people give it up. Yeah, because I lived in Cambridge, which is a very, it's like, you know, super cycle city and small and flat. When I then got to, uh, I went to sixth form college when I was 16. So I went into into town because I lived in a village. I had to go five or six miles to get to school, to college. And so I got this bike by that stage the mountain bikes had sort of gone out of my head and but I like they every three months or something they had a police auction and the police would sell off all the stolen bikes that hadn't been so I remember going to the police auction and paying about 12 pounds or something and getting this bike that was um just an old steel frame city like bike from probably the 70s I think I paid 12 quid and then that was my bike, and I'd bike to school on it whenever I could. Or if I didn't take the bike, I had to take the bus, and that cost me money. So the bike was kind of a, a way of getting to town and getting to college. And Did you keep cycling then? Did you keep, go- did you keep going with it? Well, then I went to university in Durham, and that was a totally different experience because Durham's just pure hills. It's like a city on a hill with a river around it, so there wasn't a lot of cycling. It's cobbles as well. It just was so different to Cambridge, so I was more than walking. I mean, I I think we had a bike in the house at at college, but I didn't use it. I was just walking then. And so I guess I dropped the biking thing just because the terrain wasn't... the, The town wasn't set up for it at all. And I guess that's a big thing, isn't it, really? That, you you know, if the town's set up, then you'll be on the bike. It's not. And I was just on foot, and I remember just, like, running a lot of the time to get to lectures and get to the music studio and stuff so then moving flashing forward um i know when we met Mm -hmm. um, cycling wasn't one of your top priorities yeah we met in australia and australia is so big it was always being in the car then so i had an old volkswagens (laughs) and then so as you move forward getting back into cycling again into Mm. i guess your mid-20s What about cycle adventures? Where have you been either when you were young or in your, in your adult life? What springs to mind for, for cycle adventures? Well, the cycle places? adventures that I've really enjoyed are the ones we've done as a family because um, we kind of gradually got better bikes and, we got, and then once we got the Bromptons, which are fold-up bikes, we could take them on the ferry. So I think the best adventures were... Multi-mode. The multi, well, the ones... We did to Brittany were brilliant, where we got the ferry from Cork, and then we were just on the Bromptons with Ari on the back uh, for you know for a week or even more. 
And then the one down to Spain was awesome. So cycling in France. Yeah, so we went f- that one. I'll, I'll, we went Cork to Roscoff and then got the train to Bordeaux and then cycled Bordeaux to Biarritz and then even further down into San Sebastian on the bus. But that was awesome because having the Brompton meant I could go surfing while you guys all went to the sunbathing beaches because I had a little board and so I could cycle the bike path of San Sebastian and Biarritz with the surfboard. And now I have a surfboard rack, so it's even easier hmm. on my bike. Yeah. For Inchi Dunny. Yep. And what about like favourite places infrastructure-wise or favourite cities that you've ever visited where all of a sudden you've you've seen have you ever been anywhere where you've been really struck by the difference that a cycling culture can make i guess you've already said growing up in cambridge yeah maybe you already kind of took that for granted growing up i suppose i did because it was so easy like you know when i had a had a job i had a job in the evenings working in a a college doing waitering and it was so easy to bike home at midnight or one in the morning after a shift in the dark because you had a bike path and it was just, there were no cars. You didn't have to worry about navigating roads. So you just get on the bike path and get all the way home at one in the morning and then collapse in bed. So I was lucky with that. Um, I mean, we went to Amsterdam and we borrowed bikes there. And, you know, everyone thinks Amsterdam's amazing for bikes. but And it was, but the problem was there's almost too many bikes in Amsterdam. It was crazy, wasn't it? I mean, there was, you know, there was, you had to have a really good bell in Amsterdam. Uh, so they're kind of struggling the opposite problem. We have to have um, your wits about you a bit more. I mean, the other thing, you know, was just, you know, even thinking about being in San Sebastian, having that bike path, but I found the video that, that I made of you with Ari on the back, and I think it's like six or seven minutes long of just pure biking all the way along the, the town front. So do you, you know, think that what struck you, what makes it joyful for you, like you were saying about Cambridge at, at night in the dark, is it a segregated cycle path? Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. with the least amount of junctions, really, where the least yeah. amount of cars are kind of crossing. Yeah. So if you yeah. can have a segregated cycle path, then you don't have to wor- even really worry. You can think your thoughts. You don't have to have... Yeah. And I guess that's the difference between Amsterdam, really. I mean, I remember biking Am- home from, from, from work in Cambridge. I would go six miles home to the, to the village, and I probably only had to cross a main road twice in yeah. six miles. It's I mean, fairly, so that's amazing. That's, you could have your headphones on. And that's great infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. So since you moved to Ireland, since we moved to Ireland in 2008, could yeah. you just maybe tell me a little bit about how you think your life has been impacted by bicycles? Yeah, sure. Um, well, we came to Inchidani and so we were a little far, five kilometres from town. So we started with the bikes. We bought some pretty crappy mountain bikes. And then we you know because our friend Benny was living with us and he had some sweet bikes and he taught us about bikes we started to upgrade and so I guess I learned that just having a good bike that suits you and that you love to ride makes a big difference that'd be the first thing you know just to invest in a good bike um and then I've just found over the years more and more joy from it and more and more inspiration and like um you know, even even the passion to try and live as clean a life as possible and to try and live without having to burn petrol has been big in my mind. So the bike has been a really empowering tool for... I mean, we lived without a car now for, like, eight years. Um, 
a lot of people think you can't have not have a car, but I think we've proved it's it's possible. And with the bike trailer and then building different bikes as ways of carrying more and more, and more stuff on them and getting from A to B and having a good raincoat. <laughs> uh, I think that's been a driving force for me has been like the passion to not have a car and not have to rely on fossil fuel. Um, because um, since I've known you, I mean, you had a, a passion for old VWs. Yeah. Um, and I think somehow old VWs and bicycles have a lot in common. Yeah, well, you're always fixing them. <laughs> but I, I guess the passion for the old cars wore off because they were so time-consuming and expensive. And it's just buying petrol every day. And, and I remember a big moment for me was when I watched that movie, um, I Heart Huckabees. And there's this crazy character that Mark Wahlberg plays where he's a fireman, but he doesn't believe in burning fossil fuel. He's, like, really against it. And so he meets the other guy and he's like do you drive a car? And the other guy's like, no. And he's like, how do you get around? I ride my bike. Sometimes I take the bus. And then they like smile at each other. And I remember that being a big moment because, you know, it's sort of crystallized for me that people have these, you know, people become like vegan or they become, you know, they go into these sort of ways of life to try and change their life. And I remember just going, yeah, you're right. You know, burning fossil fuel is crazy like that's the thing that's causing the most amount of environmental damage so why would i want to have anything to do with that so then then the bike becomes just the most beautiful democratic kind of affordable and fun way of getting yourself around so that for me has created me joy in so many different parts of my life you know learning how to build bikes the fun of the creativity of that and then riding bikes and going on bike adventures and, and just just knowing that I'm getting myself to some crazy, amazing places on my own power. Um, I can fix it anywhere it breaks down. And, and thirdly, then helping people with the bike circus learn how to, you know, build their own bikes and fix their own bikes. That's been a good big part of... So take me back, I think it was 2000 and... Mm, must have been 2011... Um, at the beginning of the Clonakilty Bicycle Festival. Yeah. Um, can you explain to me, because I'm not sure I know, but why did we start the Clonakilty Bicycle Festival? How did that come about? And why did, I suppose, why did you think that that's something we had the ability to offer? So there was this group called Sustainable Clonakilty, and they asked us, I think, to help out doing a tweed run or something, or we had an idea to do a tweed run. It was a sort of where everyone dressed up in tweedy clothes. It's part of a sustainability festival. Yeah, and we did, like, Inchidoni. I think we did, like, Clon to Inchidoni and back. And then we got in this this picture of us all in tweed riding these funky bikes. It was, like, in this satirical, was it Waterford Whispers or something, being, like, rush hour in Clonakilty because all these hip people on bikes. And so I realised that that we were kind of the, the heads of that. And then... And then um, and then we said, oh, why don't we organise another one of those? That was fun. And we had so many people on it. And then sort of we were like, well, why don't we just organise a whole festival? And at that very point, we'd met Keith and Trusser, who were doing the Kerry Bike Fest. And they kind of came around immediately and just gave us all the information we needed to, to do a festival. And then we were just kind of like, all right, let's do this. So we just did it. 
I think we didn't realise that it was going to last now in 10 years. We just did it for fun. I think you've just reminded me, Benny may have given us a magazine that had a story in it about a tweed run, and an, in, maybe an international tweed run or, Probably, or a, yeah. a European mm. tweed run that we did, and we thought that yeah, was Yeah, we thought it was just a cool thing to do. Like I think it's one of those things, like I'm an artist, so I sort of constantly put my mind to like what would be an interesting, creative thing that's going to kind of shake people up a little bit. Okay, let's do that. Setting up a paradynamic scene. Yeah, so let's just do that. And not for any really reason, but let's just do it for the sake of doing it. But, you know, looking back, it's grown and grown and grown and it's become something really cool. So I, I, I suppose what I want to ask you too is, what did you think we needed to start a festival? I didn't really think we needed anything. I just, what we did, what because I'd been putting out records for years as a musician and we were always just printing our own flyers and posters and sticking them up and doing organizing tours and even screen printing our own uh, record sleeves so we already had the training of like that kind of punk DIY thing so I think for me it was just like doing another record event you know it's like okay we just print a load of posters photocopy a load of flyers screen print t-shirts and do this and see what people can think you remember it. in the first year what kind of support we had from either council or from other groups. You already mentioned the Kerry Bike Festival. Do you remember what they yeah, gave? Yeah, Keith and Trust were great. What did they give us? They gave us all the information for, like, the, um, was it the insurance stuff and the sort of... Safety statements. Safety statements, yeah. I mean, that was your job. <laughs> um, so that was basically yeah. for us for, for us to be able to get insurance. That was one thing we were talking about. Yeah, we had to, to buy insurance. So we had that's why we sold the T-shirts. I remember that first year, just to cover our, our asses. And then, but we didn't get anything from the council. I mean, I remember just trying to get the council to let us use Emmett Square. It was a bit of a nightmare. Um, I don't think we weren't even looking for, for help from many people. I think we just were like, you know, we'll do this because people in Clon will enjoy it. I think I wanted to talk to you about this specifically because I think a lot of groups around um, around Ireland and the UK, small groups, especially in rural Ireland, thinking like, how can we start up a festival and what do we need to do? But I'm trying to think back because we're coming on 10 years next year. And the beginning, yeah, it was very much just like stick up a few posters and yeah. print a few homemade flyers and see who turns up. Yeah. And one thing I kind of realized from the beginning after as the years came on is that kind of a lot of the same people kept coming back, which yeah. was great. It was word yeah. of mouth, really, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and it got a kind of, you know, it's easy to make a Facebook page. It's easy to do tweets or whatever. You know, you can use that stuff. I mean, it's just like how we've done, how I've done pretty much everything in music. It's just go, okay, I've got this idea, how can we do this? Without waiting for permission. <laughs> You're listening to the Clon Bikecast. This week, my guest is Justin Grounds, co-host of the Clonakilty Bicycle Festival, longtime bicycle lover and bicycle adventurer, and producer of this show. Be sure to check out clonakiltybicyclefestival.org to find out what the bike circus and the bike fest are up to this year for the National Bike Week, taking place the 19th to the 27th of September. Now, back to the show. Yeah. So tell me about um, how the idea came about to start or help start, I suppose, a community bike workshop in Clonakilty. Yeah. Tell me about the community bike workshops or any kind of community bike um, 
groups, campaign groups that you visited around different places in the world that had an impact on how yeah. you saw bikes as something that could actually transform community. Because I think that's kind of what the heart of what mm-hmm. you and I both love about bikes is they yeah. have this weird ability to kind of transform communities and bring people together. Yeah, definitely. Um, it all came about because the first year of the Bike Fest, we had this sort of harebrained scheme to do a, a free bike clinic. And Ray from Debarras let us put up the marquee in the back car park. I think we had a bike stand, one bike stand that Jack had. And Jack got involved. Well, I mean, he got involved from day one with everything, but he was the man really for that. And I, so it was me and Jack. And me, I built, I was putting together this old Peugeot bike. That, that was my sort of learning curve of building a bike. But from that moment, we saw how, how many people loved the idea of a free bike clinic. And, you know, the whole concept of it is like, you just come along. And I remembered back in Australia when we used to go to that market in Ceres in East Brunswick on Saturday mornings to get the veg and they had a, a bike workshop there. And I remember just thinking, oh God, I never really took that in, but that was their way of doing, I mean, it's a way of doing like education, politics, everything to teach people to build a bike because it teaches them more than just that. So then Jack and I started doing free bike clinic at the market in the four weeks leading up to the festival, like year two, three, four, maybe. And we'd just be down there on Friday with the tools and stuff. And then it grew to being like, we took over the venue and he had like young apprentices and he, it was his thing. And I got busy. We had Ari, a little kid. And so I was busy with... Jack started doing Jack it basically all year round. Jack took it on, really. Around. Yeah, he started going all year. And so I was sort of popping in and out of it and trying my best to help out. And then we would come to Canada uh, to visit the family and... Um, we visit, so we we were kind of like let's go to Bike Pirates in Toronto must be three or four years ago because we wanted to build a couple of bikes over here to have over here and um, so we went to, we booked in well we got there at like 10am and there was already a massive queue on the, on the road and we somehow got a stand and it was just the most inspiring place because they they were running on this purely sort of like chaotic all donation-based. All volunteer. All volunteer-based. But they ha- had been going for like 10 or 15 years. They had this massive basement full of frames and forks and wheels of all sizes. And and you could just, you know, the bank of knowledge and equipment and resources for, for a bike workshop was in- extraordinary. And I remember just being like struck that so many people were waiting outside on like a Tuesday morning or whatever it was that we went there because they wanted to get in there and there were people learning and and we built a couple of bikes and then we went to another bike workshop in Peterborough and that was totally different that was more like fun- they had funding from government they were much more organized but again it was really really inspiring perhaps even more inspiring because they were more sustainable and we got home and we just said wow that was cool maybe you know and Jack had been really wanting somewhere so he didn't have to lift his whole box of tools down from the attic you know donovan's everything was sort of adding up to going look there's the momentum here to start a bike workshop and then we went to on our trip we went to spain we went to france we visited bike workshops in europe and we tried to glean as much information as we could and so by the time we got back to clon last spring last early summer 2019 
all the sort of dots fell fell in line and and we were kindly given that space to use by Colette and and suddenly it was bike festival and we had this the beginnings of a bike workshop and it's been amazing to see how that's grown in a year so what is the bike circus then tell us about that it's a community bike workshop you join to become a member you you pay 20 euros a year and you can come and uh, basically use all the tools use the bike stands we've got pretty much all the tools you need to build a bike fix a bike spray paint a bike we've got loads of old frames you can fix your own bike you can build your own bike you can just be part of a community and and it's you know we've had social events we've had community group bike rides we've had loads of stuff and it's growing and growing as a as a sort of more than just a tool bank more than just a workshop it's a kind of community so just to move you um, away slightly from the work that kind of has been done in Clonakilty. What do you think um, in the last nine years of working with, I suppose, promoting bicycles and a love of bicycles in Ireland, what changes have you started to kind of feel that you'd like to see the most in West Cork? What, what do you think we need in West Cork to make cycling, to take your work or the things you're passionate about or just cycling in general to the next level? It's been really encouraging with the bike set, with the bike festival and the bike circus, because when we did the bike festival, that was just super fun every June, and we'd be like on a high. Everyone was out on bikes, but then come September, everyone's back in their cars, and the bikes are in sheds, getting rusty. And then they'd come out, and I remember meeting a lot of people being like, "Oh, it's bike festival next week. We better get the bike out of the shed." And it was sort of like, "Well, yeah, great, but you know, you could be on it all year round." Um, so then having the bike circus workshop has meant that we've got even a smaller community of people but who are just really committed to using the bike as a mode of transport and you know and and keeping it maintained and being on it and um so that's been really encouraging and just to get to know loads of people that I wouldn't have known already who, who are in who are passionate about you know cleaner streets and and climate change and all the things that come with bikes um, and the fun of building and riding bikes. Um, but we, like, going back to thinking about growing up where I grew up in Cambridge and the places that we were lucky enough to visit on our trips, we really do... I mean, I'm on the bike every single day in Clonakilty. That's just how I get around. And um, it's... You know, the lockdown was interesting because because there were no cars on the road, so the whole experience was completely different. And then as soon as the cars have now come back on the road, it's reminded me that it's, it's, we don't have any kind of infrastructure for bikes. We don't have any kind of even, even a white line on the road. You know, there is a white line on the bypass, because I, I ride the town every morning twice. And there is this white line, and but it's nothing, and then it just sort of disappears. It's not even a bike lane. So, um, so yeah, we're desperate for for actually paths. I mean, think about going to Inchidani. I mean, you're just on the main road the whole way there, and that's like one of the main, most beautiful beaches. Actually, what you're saying there reminds me of the same trip you were talking about, Biarritz, Bordeaux to Biarritz, and but we cycled down to Hossegor, and it was all bike paths. Mm-hmm. But they were, ended up being so segregated, you kind of forgot about cars completely. And mm-hmm. the, the little tiny bit at the end, after Hossegor, to Biarritz, 
and we rejoined the road. Terrible. And there was even maybe a little side bike lane, but we were on the road next to the trucks, and we just kind of turned to each other and went, that's why people don't cycle in Ireland, because it stinks. It's such a different experience when you're having to share... But, like, the, path, like the, the smelly... The smell, everything. The smell of diesel yeah, and, and everything else. Yeah. I mean, they say... It's interesting. I read this book called Richard's Bicycle Book, which I'd recommend to anyone. But he says the only health risk associated with cycling is the pollution in, the, in your lungs from the cars. It's the equivalent of smoking two packets of cigarettes a day if you, if you live in the city and you're on biking. I mean, that's just extraordinary. So t- tell me a bit more about um, some bicycle heroes that you've met over the years, some people that have really inspired you, that you might, that even that we could direct people to go and check out. Bike heroes. Um, well, I suppose um, Benny was, Benny Redding, give him a shout out in Melbourne, Australia. He came to live with us and he brought his 29-inch mountain, wheeled mountain, single-speed mountain bike. And then he went and bought us an amazing Genesis cyclocross bike just so that he could get around while he was here and I think his commitment to to having the bike having the right bike for what you want to do on it and keeping it in good nick and then it being something that will serve you to have really cool adventures and will bring you to places that you might never be able to get to without that bike I think that commitment um, really inspired me and since then I've been well, this year, actually, now I built my ultimate bike. <laughs> so I feel like um, that was due to Benny's legacy. And then, uh, you know, the Jack Kelleher, who's our, who's our head yard dog at the, at the bike circus, he's, his commitment to cycling throughout his entire life, I mean, he's now in the later years of his life and he's still on the bike. And his, also his love of beautiful design and beautiful beautifully made bike parts and things that work really well the simplicity of a bike I mean he's been a real teacher to me and a real mentor um, and a great friend and um, and then there's countless YouTube videos I mean one you could just spend your life looking at and in, getting inspired on YouTube but the one that you know is, has been going for ages is Path Less Pedaled uh, a couple of a, a guy and his his partner in America and they started off on Bromptons and so they inspired us to go taking these little fold-up bikes um, out on adventures and taking them further than you'd think they could go and now they've got like they've got 800 or 900 videos of gravel biking and going on adventures and you know you can get really inspired by all kinds of people and I love the Bone Shaker magazine in in Bristol Jenny from the bikes, uh, the London Bike Kitchen and her ethos and what she's been doing and her kind of political commitment. It's really cool. And then the guys in um, Spain that we met, you know, the um, the Biciclistas de Corella and their kind of DIY approach and their fun approach to it and their camaraderie and comradeship. And then, you know, the Cycling Without Age guys in Copenhagen and and their commitment to keeping bikes available for all ages and all even if you can't pedal anymore you can still be on the bike I mean there's so many the bicycle just ignites positive creativity everywhere I think in the world so it's not it's not hard to find really cool people who are committed to riding bikes 
And your knee bite, you just kind of mentioned it. It's the yeah. first time well, I've seen you. I, saw, I suppose I've seen you build quite a few bikes over the years. Um, but this is the first time you've started from scratch yeah. I suppose do you want to walk us through your bike just for fun is there anything yeah you want to sure I mean I didn't build the frame that would be the next thing that I could learn to do but um yeah I just um after the bike festival this year I mean I feel like riding bikes kind of really was a big saving force for me during the lockdown and during the covid thing I had my own health issues at during that time and I was you know I was anxious about that I was anxious I was picking up a lot of the collective anxiety that was going around during covid and the lockdown and and so I just decided to get up every morning at half seven and and ride two laps of chronic guilty with my headphones on listening to Wu-Tang Clan and that kind of saved me I think it was something to do with the routine of it and just being on the bike and you know it's very joyful you feel like you're flying really I mean you just you just like absolutely banging it around Clon is great. Um, so after the bike fest, I was just kind of like, right, it's time for me to build a, a, my ideal bike. So I started getting on YouTube and not sorry, eBay and looking up. I wanted to get a steel, I like steel frames. So I found an unused doors uh, steel frame uh, that had never been built into a bike, just the frame, no forks or anything. And then I sort of did loads of research into some of my favourite bike components uh, that would serve me well in what I want to use the bike for. I got some Surly forks. I got a Chris King headset, secondhand. A lot of it was secondhand stuff on eBay, which is great if you know what, what to look for. You can save money. Um, and um, a nice set of Nitto Choco bars, which are lovely. Um, and the icing on the cake was the pools component brakes, which I forked out for, but it was well worth it. Um, and I suppose that brings me right back full circle to that moment when I saw my best friend go down that hill and smash into that tree and break his, his finger. And I kind of realized that brakes are pretty important and you need a good, reliable set of brakes on your bike. Um, I've been building bikes using old stuff like just finding old bits out of skips and and salvaging old brake levers and old brake calipers off old bikes, getting stuff off Murph down in Murph's shop. And so it was the first time I've really kind of forked out for some really nice, well-made, properly, you know, new stuff. And it's made a massive difference to my experience. So, yeah. And Pulse Components also has a YouTube channel. Yeah, they have a nice website and a YouTube channel. And if, if you... Don't like, like Guy said to me down in the bike circus. Don't go on that website if you if you haven't got much money in the bank because you'll end up just <laughs> buying loads of stuff off pool. So where do you think um, you see your own cycle advocacy work moving forward or developing in the future? Can, is there anything that you'd like to do now? Anything on the horizon? I'd really like, just personally, I'd really like to do a solo. Um, bike packing trip even just for two or three days where I have everything I need on on that bike that I built and I head off just purely solo into fields and stuff and out into the wilderness of somewhere in, in Ireland um, I think just because just for the the adventure of just being completely under your own steam and completely you know everything that happens you have to make a decision about that would be quite fun. Um, as far as cycle advocacy goes, I'd love to just keep 
I'd love to see the bike circus go from strength to strength. I'd love to be able to spend more time there, and I'm planning to spend time with Ari, our son, um, down there one morning a week, teaching him to do bike mechanicing and teaching him a bit about building bikes. And um, yeah, you know, I'd love to see, I'd love to see the council get on board and cop on a bit with some some better bike lanes and bike infrastructure. But I'm not that hopeful about that, to be honest. And I feel, I do feel a bit sad that you don't, you know, it, you don't see many people on bikes, basically because there aren't bike infrastructure. And then the flip side of that is like a, a vicious circle that the council don't really want to put money into it because they don't think people are going to be on bikes. So it's kind of a vicious circle, and I, and that makes me a bit depressed. But you know, personally, I just feel like the best thing I can do is be on the bike every day, um, be present on the roads and assert my right to clean transport. Just based, I'm just going to pick up what you said there about bike packing and a solo adventure. Yeah. It's two things that came to mind. One, just back to adventures, you could either maybe choose a top Irish trip that you've done. Yeah. Um, and also maybe just mention Benny's stag, Benny that's been mentioned several yeah, times yeah. already. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then second, I was wondering if you could just talk us through bike packing kit. Yeah, the, the, the Irish trip, that rings a bell to me was when we went all the way up, um, basically all the way to Dublin. We went to Limerick Junction and then via Loch Derg uh, up the lake and then across the Midlands. And that was beautiful because you saw so many different aspects of Irish scenery. And we camped out in like some funny places and, you know, met some cool people. Um, so that was good. And then you, get, you can get on the Grand Canal and then it's really nice cycling the canal up to Dublin. Um, Benny Stag was awesome. There was, I think, six of us. We all had mustaches in honour of Benny's um, eternal mustache. And we bombed it out to Skibbereen and then out to Baltimore to get the ferry over to um, Shirken Island, where we were going to stay the night at Shirken Island. And the lads were being very slow on getting ready, and I was the one organising it. So I was trying to chivvy everyone along. But I was on my little old three-speed skip bike, with the Sturmy Archer three-speed, and I was quite proud to hold my own against some very fit guys on very expensive bikes with the three-speed. And Benny said to me, the reason you're good on that is because you're on it every day, and I think that's the, the way to do it. Um, and because we live on the top of a hill. And we live up a hill, so we've got the training. Um, bike packing stuff, I'm just a novice with that, really. I mean, the, the thing that I've learned about it is get some good carrying equipment for your bike. So get a good front rack or a good back rack um, and some good bags because they're going to serve you. Um, just try and get the most lightweight stuff. So we've got a very lightweight tent um, made by Big Agnes. I mean, Pathless Pedals are the guys who know their stuff about bikepacking. We've got a kind of a lightweight roll camping mat, a Trangia stove, I don't know. I'm still learning, really. I mean, I'm sure you can go even light, more lightweight. I mean, some people do these mountain bike races across America or across whatever, just with a bivouac bag. Um, I don't know. I quite like having a tent, but I've never really tried the bivouacking thing. So maybe that would be the next thing to try. Maybe not in Ireland if it's raining. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, it depends on the weather. <laughs> you want you want a good raincoat, some a good a decent tent you know that's how well often made. how often would you say though that really that you cycle and the rain in ireland is a problem or something that you come N up against not that often 
If you cycle every day and cycling is your main mode of transport, yeah. how much is the weather? Not that often. Probably only 5%, 5 to 10% of the time. So it's not that much, you know. I'd say 5% it's lashing, but you just put your raincoat on and your waterproof trousers, and by the time you get there, you're pretty drenched, but then you hang up your clothes and... Because you also um, just, you cycle up to the hospital, don't you, to do... Yeah, um, to, to do, do my work, To yeah. do music, kind of music work at the hospital, so that's, you know, you have to be there at a certain time, and that's sometimes yeah. when the rain gets you. Yeah. And you've been cycling up the hill out of... Yeah, I've been doing that, yeah. Laden down with... With instruments and stuff, drums and <laughs> guitars and violins... Yeah, I've been doing that every Monday. Um, it's never really been a huge problem. Sometimes you might just bring a, a spare shirt or spare something in your bag if you, if you get soaked, but it's not really ever a massive issue. I mean, how far are you going to go? Three miles maximum, and then you're just going to be home, and then you can sit by the fire. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it's been, like fantastic to just chat to you like this we don't really get this opportunity very often <laughs> um what just to, to finish up I, I was just wondering what have you seen either locally or internationally that gives you hope kind of in relation to more people getting on bikes and be, and being safer on bikes especially to do maybe with kids or people that you don't normally see on bikes is there anything you can think of that's really given you hope in the last few years yeah i mean just like I said before, seeing the bike festival grow and seeing the amount of people who get a lot of joy from it. I mean, hearing people say things like, it's my favourite weekend of the year, you know, that makes me really happy because it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the being on a bike thing that gives people happiness. Um, and then, you know, meeting various amazing people around the world, like going to Corella, a t tiny little town in Spain, and meeting this super dynamic group of people there. Um, and then meeting them again in Dublin and, you know, seeing the way we can join the dots now between like-minded people around the world um, is fantastic. Um, I still, I, you know, I know it's unfortunately still a kind of a minority, but um, I think it's growing and I think the more the COVID thing hit and people are wising up now about climate change, we're learning that fossil fuels, you know, we need to find alternatives and just the bike, it's so, it, you know, answers so many of those problems um, that, you know, answers the problems on so many different levels of society that I just think that's an amazing machine. You've been listening to another episode of the Klon Bike Cast. Thanks for listening and a humongous thanks this week to Justin Grounds, a fabulous guest and producer of the show. Be sure to visit clonakiltybicyclefestival.org to find out more about what we have lined up for this year's National Bike Week. We have events running from the 19th to the 27th of September. Workshops on how to fix your bike, spray painting, e-bikes, group cycles, online events, scavenger hunts, and more. You can also visit cyclist.ie slash to see how our work is plugging in with other work from advocacy groups around the country to create safer streets for cycling around Ireland. Thanks for listening.